Like even with track, like I will not just make kids run. I think that's the stupidest thing ever. So like, I always have a reason for everything that we do. I am the worst. Like I walk the halls every day. I sit with kids at lunch who like have never had me in class. I'm like, hey, you look really tall. You want to come do track? The training sucks and you guys are all going through it together. That's kind of been our mantra the last couple of years. Hey everybody, welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. Can't wait to dive in to this episode. But first, I have two favors I want to ask of you. First off, uh, and I'm sure you've already done this, uh, but if you haven't by chance, um, go to the show notes, click that link that asks you to join as a free member for the High School Coaches Club. Uh, You get the weekly newsletter, uh, you get to join the premier network of high school coaches, trainers, administrators, yada, yada, yada. You know the drill. It's a lot. Uh, So go ahead and do that. And then number two, if you haven't done this before yet, uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you could leave a review, some sort of rating, that would be awesome. I would truly appreciate it. All right, let's dive in. Episode 20, I have on Michael Johnston. He's the director of strength and conditioning, in addition to the head track and field coach, plus an assistant football coach. Where does he find the time? I have no idea. At Lewis and Clark High School in Spokane, Washington. Uh, Michael is a a friend of a friend, um, a buddy who I work with. He's a counselor at South Salem High School with me, Ryan Marshall. Uh, Played college football with Coach Johnston. And that's how we got connected. And this was my first time meeting him, and I loved him. Uh, He was absolutely fantastic. He's going to give us so many different resources, so many ideas that we can take back to our own programs, not only on the strength and conditioning side, but also on the track and field side. And then he also dives into how he finds the time to be uh, in all these roles in addition to being a dad and a husband. Uh, It's a lot, as you guys probably are aware. So, I'm excited to welcome him on. So let's dive in. Episode 20 with Michael Johnston from Lewis and Clark High School in Spokane, Washington. Let's dive in. All right, I'm, I'm joined here by Michael Johnston. Michael, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for having me. Uh, really excited to have you. I, I was connected to you through uh, one of the counselors at our school who was the tennis coach here for for the girls' side for a long time, Ryan Marshall. And I asked for, I think on Twitter, for like strength and conditioning coach recommendations. And he like immediately reached out and he's like, you got to have Mike Johnson on. <laughs> uh, Ryan's too nice. Uh, Ryan Marshall's awesome. So he, he also let me in on a, a, a trip down memory lane for you. And so <laughs> oh, I wanted well. to I wanted to start with this. He was telling me a story about in college, you and him kind of not so seriously, but kind of almost got kicked off the team for some shenanigans in terms of when you were playing defensive backs and uh, maybe had a difference of opinion and how you should line up in your pre-stance. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, unfortunately, I do. I wish that was the only incident as well. But yeah, there was definitely a few. <laughs> Give me one more. What else you got? Oh man. Uh, Oh, so Ryan's like the nicest guy I've ever met, but like the king of trash talk. And so, um, just, I don't know, it kind of became a competition in a way, but, um, oh my gosh. Yeah. We were always trying to do things differently and kind of do it our own way, which maybe didn't go over well with, uh, some of our position coaches and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, he was such an instigator too. Um, like he'd bait me into trying things just to get, to see what the coaches would say to me before he would try it. So, oh yeah. He's a yeah. smart man. Oh, oh he is. man, that's yeah. awesome. 
Well, take me back. So take me back. Even go back before before then. Take me back to high school. Where'd you play high school ball? What'd you do there? Take me to college. And then how'd you end up where you are now? And what is it that you're doing now? Oh, man. Uh, that's a long, crazy road. So, I mean, I'm originally from um, Oregon. I grew up in the Dalles. Um, I don't like to say that very often, but um, it is the <laughs> Dalles. It is the um, Dallas. Yeah. It's not Dallas, Oregon. It's the Dallas. Yeah, it's the Dallas. So yeah, that's where I grew up. Um, I guess in high school, like, I mean, so I played football, basketball, baseball. I mean, I did everything at one point. Um, oh my gosh. I got into wrestling cause I got cut from the basketball team. So, I mean, I did every sport. Um, I think I did baseball my freshman year, same thing. I got cut the next year. So I just went out for track. Um, but I did everything. So yeah, I grew up there. Um, graduated and then um by just weird happenstance i ended up at whitworth so in spokane washington which is where i went, met ryan marshall um so went there um oh man and was there for three years i left um was at oregon state for a very very hot minute um things didn't quite pan out there and i ended up going back to finish at whitworth um so pl- i did football and track at whitworth um football for three track for my last two years there. Um, let's see here. Got my undergrad. I did my master's at Eastern. Um, oh man. And so got my master's there, finished there, was trying to get into the strength and conditioning world. And, um, it was brutal. Slim pickings, hours are terrible and jobs are hard to come by. Um, so then I went the education realm, um, got my education cert, um, cause I was already kind of coaching at the high school level and, um, it just allowed me to do that and teach at the same time. So, um, kind of a long way around to get to my final job. Um, oh man. And then I guess then I got into coaching. So I, um, oh my gosh. Um, I guess my first high school coaching gig was 2009, um, helping out with track. Um, did that, did some football. Um, I actually went back and coached for two years at Whitworth. So I was able to do that. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, and now um, I've made my way to Lewis and Clark High School, um, where I'm the head track coach, and then um, I'm an assistant football coach, and then I guess I run the strength and conditioning program for the school now. Um, so yeah, that's kind of uh, I don't know a little snippet I guess on my background, and then where I'm at now. Yeah, that's perfect. From the Dallas to Spokane, Washington. And uh, for people like me who know absolutely nothing about Lewis and Clark High School, can you just give me like the the snippet rundown? What's it like? What's the community like? That sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, oh, man, Lewis and Clark is like we're like right smack downtown in Spokane. Like we're literally in the middle of the freeway um, over Pasco's right by the front doors of the high school, to be honest. So like we're right downtown. Um, and I would say we're pretty diverse. Um, we have, I mean, oh my gosh, we have like a huge migrant population as well. Um, we're at the center of, um, oh my gosh, I'm totally spacing on the word. Um, we have like a refugee center downtown, so we get a lot of those kids. Um, and then we're kind of backed up to a more affluent neighborhood as well. So I would say we have a pretty diverse group of like, socioeconomic status, um, race and ethnic background. We have a large Marshallese population, which is kind of unique. Um, so I was trying to think what else about, we do have a great school community. It's, um, I mean, the school is crazy old, so it looks super cool. Um, and it's been around for forever. There's a lot of, um, 
pride and nostalgia that goes around like being a part of Lewis and Clark High School. Um, and I, I would just say we have a very interesting group of students, that's for sure. <laughs> it sounds really diverse. Very, yeah. Um, like I, it sounds terrible. We have like a lot of the kids that have and a lot of the kids that have not, and there's not a lot in between. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and so at Lewis and Clark, you're, you said the head track and field coach, but then you're also the, I guess like the head of the strength and conditioning program there. Um, yeah. At some high schools, that means like you teach the weights classes at other high schools. It's like you are the epicenter of all things strength and you probably have a mustache and huge biceps and you yell a bunch during the day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so every high school and every state seems to be different. Uh, what's the, what does the job entail at Lewis and Clark in terms of uh, being the kind of the head of the strength and conditioning? Oh man. I mean, so I've had this role in another high school before and it looked completely different there than it does now. And so um, I'm trying to like, I want to tell you what I want it to look like. Um, so right now, um, I mean, it's kind of a fancy title. They, when they brought me in um, to teach some of these classes and they had a teaching position open, they kind of offered me this title. Um, honestly, I would say, I mean, I do, I teach a lot of the weights classes. We have, um, an athlete only like weightlifting class. So all of our athletes can participate in. Um, so I am in charge of that and I run that. Um, but then I'm available to help program for any of the sports and any of the coaches. So like, um, I wouldn't say it's anything I get paid for, but like <laughs> I'm there basically to like help program, help design stuff for the kids. Um, We've gone through a few ADs in my short time already, so my role has changed a little bit in that regard. I was running like summer camps for different sports. Um, that's kind of evolved a little bit over the last couple of years. Um, so I guess at this point, it, it's I'm more of like a um, a conduit for information. Like that, I'm just available for any head coach that needs it. Um, and usually, if there's, I run the weight room, so equipment and stuff like that. I guess I'm in charge of that um, as part of that role. Um, but right now, I would not say I am the epicenter where I am the end-all, be-all um, who gets to do all of that stuff. Um, so it's just more – I'm just there as a resource, I guess. All right, but in there you said it's not quite what you want it to look like. So what if you have the ideal world, Lewis and Clark High School, what does the strength and conditioning program look like in the ideal world? So – oh, man. Um, so I guess at the previous um, – so I was at another high school here in Spokane um, before I ended up in this job. Um, actually, on a pure volunteer basis, like I wasn't even a teacher, um, just coaching. I basically ran all the conditioning programs year round for all of the sports. Um, so that was like fall, winter, spring. Um, and if I didn't run it, I at least planned it. And then some of the other coaches would help fill in to do that. And so I think I would just prefer eventually, hopefully, as this continues to evolve, getting more responsibility. Um that might end up taking away from some of the other sports I coach, but um, I think maybe in the future, I'm just hoping to maybe get more responsibility and more time in front of um, my guys and girls or athletes, I should say. Yeah, that's one of the things that is like surprising to me with high school sports that it hasn't gone more that direction yet because it's like when I think of college programs, like it, it seems like a lot of college programs, even within a college will have like, Hey, I'm the the baseball strength and conditioning guy. And that's all I do. But um, that would be craziness. But it, it seems like the, the future of high school sports, I think we would be doing kids a huge service if we had 
someone in every building that was like the dedicated strength and conditioning coach. And that's all they were in charge of. So it was like, you kind of mentioned with your previous school in terms of like running the conditioning for all the different teams, like just one person, that's kind of the epicenter of it. And I think that's where, like, if I was designing like the ideal high school world for everybody, that's where it would go more towards, because I feel like where it is now for a lot of schools, it's kind of scattered. Like some coaches of their program are kind of in charge. They don't really know who to go to, you know, in your program, you mentioned that you you're kind of a resource to them, but you're not necessarily in charge of it. So I I just think like the perfect world, we'd have a dedicated strength and conditioning coach who's well-versed and has the time to like spend his or her day learning information and then being able to apply it and making programs and individualizing stuff and nutrition and like just the whole deal. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, it would be so awesome. I just don't know how realistic it is yet. Um, just time-wise and obviously, um, I mean, just from hearing about you, like, I mean, good coaches just want to give time, but that's not always reasonable. You know, like, um, at the end of the day, you got to make it rewarding enough to support your family. So I know that's a challenge as well. Um, yeah, we need to get paid for it. <laughs> yes. Um, that's at least that's important. what my, that's what my wife tells me I need to do. Um, but I mean, one of the other challenges, I guess, just talking about that made me think of and one of the things we, my philosophy has changed on this. We have a lot of kids who, um, choose to train outside of, um, like what we provide at school, which I think is awesome. Um, but that's become, I'm sure other coaches have this issue too, is like how that affects um, culture and environment and all that stuff. And so that's been one of the things we, it has been a challenge in trying to support kids who want to go train outside of school, but still towing that line. So um, that's a challenge, I think, in regards to trying to develop this ideal strength position as well. Well, for sure. And then another part of that is that you'll have kids that go to multiple different, you know, trainers throughout, you know, the city or even farther out. And some may be really in, well in line with maybe the current models or maybe more in agreement with what kind of your beliefs are or the program's beliefs are that they're part of. And so you also not only the culture part, but then you also also get the actual like training part can be. Uh, I don't want to say questionable because some people are amazing at it and some private trainer, like they're fantastic. And then some others you're, you want to just kind of tell the kid, why are you paying that guy or that girl to train you? They're not doing good things maybe. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, Oh man, I I think um, in years past, I've kind of maybe I'd like to think I've evolved, I guess, as I've done this more and more, like rather than being confrontational in those situations, I'm just trying to learn more about what the kids want, like what, they're, like there's motivation for them to why they want to pay this money and use their time outside of school. And so that's helped bridge the gap a little bit to help me kind of get them back to buy into a little bit of more of what we're doing. So, um, but it is tough because sometimes you're just like, Oh my gosh, like that sounds like they'll tell me what they did. And not that I think I'm right or wrong, but I'm, I'm always like, why? And so, um, but versus having that response, just trying to have a conversation ha- has really, really helped in the last couple of years to try and, get kids more engaged in what we're doing just because they feel like they're a connection. There's like some connection, not like we're just like, all right, well, you're out now. Um, so that's kind of been my approach in the last few years, but that it is still a challenge though. For sure. I think we all face that in any sport that we coach. I know as a baseball coach, we'll get plenty of kids that go and choose to train and do stuff with um, outside coaches, which is great. Go, you know, go, go be with whoever you think's going to 
help you get better. But then there's also, like you mentioned early on a moment ago, the culture piece of it, and you're missing our off season workouts and opportunities to become part of our culture, to go work out with this outside organization, which might make you a better player for sure. But then we also lose out on our, our culture piece of it because you're not there. And it, it just, that part I've, that's the part I've kind of struggled with. The other part that you kind of responded to makes a lot of sense talking to kids. Hey, would you work on great? We can work with that. But um, yeah, the culture part's a tough one that I haven't, I haven't quite figured out yet anyway. It, I, and I feel like it's a constant battle. Cause I mean, the second you figure it out, you get a new group of kids with different personalities yeah. and it just is always changing. But um yeah, it's and then yeah, I mean, just thinking now about like club sports, that's another battle that we seem to have quite a bit as well, um, with how kids are using their time and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it is the struggle is real. <laughs> yeah, the struggle is real. Uh, turning now to strength and conditioning specifically, so um, you mentioned earlier that you're kind of available as a resource to help all programs. Um, so working on kind of helping individual players or programs kind of came up with plans. Um, how do you approach that? So, you you know, you get kids from baseball, you'll get kids from tennis, track, football. How do you, how do you manage to come up with, you know, plans that are individualized enough for whatever sport somebody's playing or whatever focus they're trying to get into? Yeah. I mean, it is, it's a super big challenge and especially at the high school level when like just so many kids do so many different things and sometimes at the same time. And, um, no, so for us, um, so we have our athlete athlete weightlifting class, which is um, in a typical year, like when we're not in COVID. Um, <laughs> we have around probably 100 kids out for that. Um, we're really trying to build our female numbers, trying to get more female athletes out for that. And so that's kind of – so anyway, I mean, our numbers are growing in that regard. But um, generally when we plan for that class – um, it's usually who's in season, who's out of season kind of dictates what type of training we're going to do. Um, and that's one way to do it. Um, our football guys get, eh, I hate throwing football into its own category, but, um, we kind of just had some really general categories and we just kind of, we have in season, out of season, we've got our power athletes and, um, we have our endurance athletes and that's kind of, we just divide them up based on the needs of their sport. It really general. I mean, if I was to do this at the college level again, I mean, there's a needs analysis, a movement analysis. I mean, then we do baseline testing. There's all kinds of stuff that would go into it. But um, honestly, for us at the high school level, it's just trying to, where are you at now? Where do we want to get you? What part of your season are you in? Um, we'll do some pre-assessments, a um, little bit of teaching, and then we're kind of off and running from that point. So it's pretty quick um, and a little down and dirty, more than I would like it to be. But um, so that's, I guess, for right now, that's probably how we start by... Um, assigning our programs um trying to think summers look a little bit different again it just depends on what season we're in for which one of those athletes when you're talking about the athletes only class i don't want to get too deep into this covid year because ultimately this yeah. <laughs> eventually even though yeah we it, it's it seems like we've been stuck in it forever eventually it'll end so um, i don't want to get too deep into it but i do want to just ask you just because i know a lot of people are going through the same thing when you're having a weightlifting class and you're having to do it through an online learning platform. What does that look like? Like I'm a kid and I show up quote unquote, you know, through zoom or whatever to Mr. Johnston's weight training class. What are, what do we do for that? Yeah. So like, um, Oh my gosh. Um, I could certainly send you some of the stuff we did this year. Um, so the beginning of the year, honestly, um, 
when we got to start online, it was just trying to like, Hey, where are you guys at? Like, what's going on? Like beyond like, where are you at physically, but just where are you guys at with just life? And, um, so I, I mean, we sounds kind of cheesy and we probably spent a week just trying to connect with everybody, getting kids to connect with each other. Um, but then, um, we honestly just talked about getting creative. Like what implements do you have at home that you can use to train with? Um, I also did like a YouTube channel and an Instagram thing where kids can follow along. They did that all summer. So that kind of transitioned into the fall when we started. Um, and so, um, we had a really basic plan that we gave all the kids that they could use. Um, and our focus was just to increase strength that like, that was just our, our goal was like, Hey, we're going to try and improve strength this first eight weeks. Um, and, and it was the same thing for all the kids. Um, but it, we, we found stuff that kids could do at home. So that was our ultimate goal is just getting kids moving. Um, so I guess if you were to show up into my class right now, cause we're still virtual, um, we lead a warm up. Um, takes us about 15, 20 minutes to get through, which I know is kind of ridiculously long, but um, we've been teaching it over and over again. We have different kids that'll lead virtually every now and then. Um, and so we'll go through that and then we'll honestly just have one or two exercises we want the kids to do together. Um, in that virtual setting. Um, and they just, they give me feedback. Here's how it went today. Here's the weight I was able to use. And so honestly, that's been what it's been so far. Um, we try and teach new activities or exercises every now and then spice it up for the kids. Um, but that has been our online virtual weight training right now. Yeah. I, so I teach English and oh, okay. it, it's, it's not too bad to, I mean, it's uh, nobody's having fun, no matter what we try to do. But it's 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 pretty easy to turn it in, you know, to find a way to make it work over Zoom. But to me, the most fascinating one is the idea of like PE and weight, because I just think of like of, of any one thing to, to try to do over Zoom. Like, oh, my gosh, what you guys have to try to do is insane. What's the most creative thing a kid has done in terms of like if they were lifting something that day at home? What's the most creative thing that you've seen or heard of that a kid used? Oh, man, I'm pretty sure because we have a couple like sibling groups like one's a sophomore one's a senior so i'm pretty sure we had some guys using their siblings as resistance like throwing them on their back with squats um i think one of them like was like bear hugging the other one like or like looking like a panda while he was trying to squat while he was like wrapped around him man what else i know we had some crazy push-up variations now i'm trying to remember what they did um oh so <laughs> We did have like a challenge to see who could get the most creative, which got a little out of control because they're teenagers and they like to push the, <laughs> push the limits. So no we like had a guy trying to push a car like that was his video that he sent in. Um, that was part of like his resistance training program. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's been fun just watching uh, over the over like Twitter and stuff. I've seen uh, I've seen a tutorial that just kind of popped up one time uh, early on in this whole deal in the school year. And it was uh, how to create like a, a homemade weight bench with concrete and old metal poles and wood. And that looked real dangerous, but it would be a pretty unique way to get around some of it if you didn't have access to a weight bench. Heck yeah. And actually, you know what? Since you brought that up, we did have a guy who I don't know what his dad does, if he's a carpenter or not, but he built an entire weight room in his garage um, out of like two by fours. And I mean, it looks super sketch, but it is so cool. Like he has a row machine, a squat bench, uh, or a squat rack. Uh, he's got a bench press rack. Like, um, he even like made his own sled. He made his own kettlebell. I, I don't know. It was crazy. So that's probably the most creative thing that we've had. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. 
I mean, I've scraped the bottom of the barrel to try and get kids engaged. Um, so the kids at school, apparently I sound like Kermit the Frog. So that's like one of my shticks. Um, the kids give me a hard time. So like I dress up as Kermit sometimes for class. Like that's been something I've done. Um, we did an epic skills challenge, which is actually pretty cool. Um, just cause we have a lot of new guys that I don't know yet. I mean, some of them were freshmen last year that I never really got to see or, um, so we gave kids a chance to showcase a talent and that actually ended up being pretty cool. I learned a lot about some of our guys that I had no idea, um, about. So that was one of the other things we tried to do to get kids engaged, um, and be active at the same time, I guess. Yeah. It's been fun to watch how creative both, both teachers and then the students themselves are trying to get through this thing that, like you said, to stay engaged. Cause it's not easy, especially for this long in the school year. And I know you guys are planning on getting back into some in-person stuff soon. So maybe you won't have to try to be creative, so creative soon, but, um, Man, so I wanted to ask maybe a couple more questions on the strength and conditioning side, yeah. but then I also wanted to get into track and field too, because I know there's another whole aspect of your life to get into. But um, the, the, the first one is the, an issue that I have a lot. So this is probably more of a selfish question, but having a Love freshman it. come in and um, come to a program and be like a lot of freshman teenage kids are, they're, you know, somewhat weak. They're pretty skinny. A lot of them have probably gone through growth spurt recently. So they're, they're maybe a little bit taller, but super slender. And some of them, by the time they're seniors, they've bulked up. They're just huge, you know, manly big guys. Or, or if they're girls, you know, they've they've gotten much stronger and can move a lot better. But then you also always have some kids that they just they stay super skinny. They go to weight still. They they come to the workouts and yet they stay super skinny. And so you ask them like, well, what are you eating? And then they respond, and you start to get kind of a picture of it. So. If you gave like your, you know, your, I, I don't know, I don't want to get, because this can be really personal depending on the kid. But when you have a kid like that who is super skinny, they're trying to gain weight, they're doing the weightlifting part of it. What's your kind of go-to speech or talk or questions that you have where you're trying to help that kid get bigger because they're just super skinny? Yeah, it's funny how, um, just how that works. Like you have the kids who just change over four years and those who don't. Um but I mean, it is a conversation you definitely, I have a lot still, I guess first, like I just try and get to know more about the kid's story and, you know, especially if it's a freshman or whoever it is, just letting them talk more. And you'll, like you said, you'll learn right away when they talk about like what they're actually eating and what they're doing and, and just letting them kind of share their side before you kind of lead them on um, a little bit. And I usually try to diffuse the situation a little bit with like, I mean, it's going to take time. And I think a lot of times kids forget that like, well, I ate really well for this one week. Why did, why did I not gain 20 pounds this week? <laughs> and um, I mean, it, it's constantly just putting your left foot in front of your right foot and, and repeating that process. And um, I think, I mean, this happens with all areas of sports, but I think with nutrition and talking about like strength and um, even, I mean, size as well, they see where they want to be, but they kind of miss the in-between. Um, and so that's where I want to fill in the gaps, I guess. And with nutrition, I have to be careful. Um, some of that is outside my scope of practice, like what I can, you know, what responsibly tell kids as well. Um, so I don't necessarily do any meal planning or anything like that. And I can give them the token suggestions and what they should eat, things they should avoid. And I guess I always like to encourage those kids because I've had so many kids. Um, shoot, we had a guy, um, he was like 6'1", skinny as a rail when he graduated. Um, he went to Wazoo and the next thing he's like 6'11", 6'10", and he's playing tackle, he's playing tackle on the football team. Like, oh my um, gosh. and so it just, 
it's tough. I mean, nutrition and kids growing and there's just so many factors in play. Um, basically I just try and encourage kids at that point. Um, but I guess maybe from like a practical application, like something you could actually use. Um, I just talk to kids about being consistent. So like, Hey, whatever you're doing, like you have to do this for probably six to eight weeks before you're going to see a change or a difference. Um, and so just trying to, Hey, let's come up with a really easy plan. Like what's something you can do? Like drinking water is probably the biggest one that I'm always trying to get our kids on. And, um, Hey, let's just set a goal for this week, you know? And, and so just like you would with any other sport or strength and conditioning, same with nutrition, like, Hey, what's your goal this week? Are you know, are you going to try and eat a fruit and a vegetable with every meal? Or are you going to try and drink more water? And, and so I guess that's my approach. Um, is just finding a gap and then let's address this now and kind of how does that play in the big picture? It brings back a memory. I, I just, it popped up as you're speaking and I thought, oh my gosh, I remember this when I was in high school. Um, I remember asking one of our, we had a, we had two weights teachers, so it was kind of unique. So one would stay on the gym side, the class would be split in half. Half of us would do like speed and agility type of work on one side, conditioning stuff. And then halfway through class, we'd flip and then we'd go into the weight room with the other teacher. But I remember asking one of them about this. Like I, I was a freshman, I was skinny at the time. And uh, you want to believe it if you saw me now, but, and he, I was like, what, what do I do? Like, I, I, I want to lift. I want to be big. I want to be yoked. Right. And so uh, he's like, yeah, I just eat two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and have a whole glass of milk every single night before you go to bed. And then, <laughs> and so there, I remember being a little, I remember going home and telling my mom that, and she's like, no, we're not doing that. You're not doing that. It's <laughs> like, oh, okay, mom, thanks. <laughs> well, and I mean, I think there's like some of that truth too. Like I don't want to tell kids they need to do something because they're going to go home and tell their parents that's what they need to do. And um, like, I, that's a line you have to tread carefully on. I feel like when you, in regards to nutrition, because there's so many other issues surrounding it. Um, on the other side, the issue that I deal a lot with is like, I have, I don't know if it's a football thing or what, um, but, oh, I heard if you take this, you'll get huge in two days. And, um, that's what I run into maybe more so of, and I mean, yeah, guys are always asking, how do I gain weight? Um, and I'm usually like, well, I, I don't know, become 18 sooner. But, um, in regards to like, I mean, supplements come up all the time and, um, I guess like, from a scientific perspective, like I know which ones work and which ones don't. Um, but even then I'm pretty cautious as to like what I would advise for kids. Um, and usually we talk about, Hey, let's address, address like your actual nutrition first. Cause when they're asking about, Oh, should I take this? And then I'd be like, cool. What'd you eat for breakfast today? And they're like, mm, I don't know, sugar covered cocoa puffs and, and that's it, you know? And it's like, well, okay. Like, you know what? So it, in regards to like kids asking about all the extras, it's like, well, what can we address first? That's like good already that you can do. And, um, cause there's always a gimmick. I mean, that's, I feel like I'm always running up against that. Yeah. The, the nutrition part's huge. I just, I, I remember back to high school and the meals that I would have, or a lot of times I didn't eat breakfast cause I, for whatever reason, I just woke up and I wasn't really hungry and I just wouldn't eat breakfast. And I just think back like, and then, you know, for lunchtime, it'd be a flood of students leaving the building to go get McDonald's and, and Mexican food and just eating all this garbage and then going to weights right afterwards. It's like, yeah, you know, maybe the nutrition side, the discussion really just needs to be on what you're actually like putting in your body on a normal basis. Yeah. I, I guess, I mean, 
I feel like I didn't really give you good, like, here's what I say and what you should do. Consistency is probably the biggest takeaway that I always try and emphasize with kids around nutrition is whatever you want to do, whatever your plan is, is it's not going to work unless you're consistent. Um, that, that part's huge too. When you're, when you're talking about weight training, because we'll always have kids who come in and, um, you know, maybe they can just using a really common one, like bench press, right? So they come in and they, maybe they can lift two plates or like 135, but then they stay there for a really long time. And it's, and you start to, and if you really watch them, you notice them when it's time to maybe go do that lift, they, they kind of avoid it. Maybe you see them do a set and then they kind of disappear for a while. And you start to realize it's probably a level of, of embarrassment because they're around all these people who are basically 18 or older and these, you know, behemoths around them are lifting over 300 and here's this little guy lifting 135. And so you want to have, you want to have that talk with that kid of like being consistent, like just hang in there. Eventually it'll pay off that, that guy over there wasn't lifting 300 when he walked in the door either, but there's just this level of embarrassment that I think is, is probably hard for some kids to get over when you're talking about weight training. And then that leads to lack of consistency because they, maybe they don't want other people or the girls in the class, you know, seeing them lift, lifting only 130, only 135. Yeah. Well, and so as you're saying that, it makes me think, I mean, I came from a little bit of like in that, in high school, that school of thought, like you always have to lift a ton of weight. And I can remember, Oh my gosh, these three guys, my senior year, um, who are just huge. Um, and you don't like, I obviously never saw them as freshmen, so I have no idea where they started, but you just compare right then and there. Um, and I guess in regards to what we do in the weight room, like, um, like confidence is going to breed success. And so like, we'll in the programming that we do, we will rarely, rarely ever go to failure. Like I never want a kid to fail. Um, so they're always building and progressing through the workouts that we do. And so, um, they have numbers they're trying to hit cause they, so they have their own goal that day, but the goals are reasonably set. So they're never going to fail. And so they, we're trying to eliminate that feeling, um, and being intentional about it and, and letting them feel success and their numbers progress. So at the end of six weeks, they can be like, Hey, look, this is what you were able to do, you know, for five reps on the first week and look how many you can do for five now. Um, and so I, we are really intentional about how we build that into our programming so we, we can avoid that issue because we're trying to keep as many kids in there as possible. Well, and you talk about having like a hundred kids or so in the class at one time. That's a lot to, that's a lot to pay attention to. That's a lot to watch. That's a difficult thing. Obviously you can't individualize it completely for every single kid. So, um, when you're, when you're in a class of a hundred, how, how in the world are you watching or maintaining or talking or getting to every kid? Yeah. So we, um, I mean, we're really lucky. We have some awesome facilities where I'm at and we're also really unique Our because we're located downtown, our practice facilities are located somewhere else. Cause there's no room for a field and stuff there. Um, so we're actually lucky we have two weight rooms, um, cause we have one at the field area and then one at the school. Um, so that helps in some situations, um, maybe not necessarily for that class, but, um, we have it divided up. And so we kind of have a lifting schedule throughout the week. Um, so our in season kids lift on certain days or out of season kids will lift on the other days. And so we do break up the numbers that way. The other thing too, is everything is programmed out. So every kid in that class, um, gets their own program, which some of it is pretty, uh, Some of them are easier to do. Some of them are harder to do. It depends on our kids, um, what they are trying to accomplish, what they need to get done, what their level of training is like. Uh, But every kid gets a program. It's probably before we start school, 
or that first week, ah, it's probably like 10, 15 hours of work that we do to get every kid a program. But uh, that allows us to kind of just, we'll warm up together. We intro, well, hey, here's our goal for the day. Like I try and hammer home. Here's what we need to get done. You know, here's, there's might be a new exercise on your sheet today. Or, hey, remember these cues for this exercise. And there are three teachers, so I shouldn't say it's not just me. And then the kids are off and running and I'm able just to bounce around through stations. Um, everybody's almost doing the same thing and that's in there that day. So I know it's expected. They know it's expected. I can look at their sheet and I can look at the bar that the weights that's on the rack. Um, so we do have some kids sometimes who will try and show off. And um, it's really easy for me to be like, oh man, you're not following the sheet today or hey, you didn't hit your numbers today. Um, so that is one tool that we use is just Every, I don't have to ask the kid what they're doing. I can just look at their sheet and then see what they're actually doing. Um, that is really, really helpful. Uh, we do have groups are pretty organized based on like size, ability level, sports. So we usually have three to four guys at a station and gals. Um, and so that's another way that we try and organize things a little bit. So everybody's kind of on the same page at that station. I love it. I love the idea of having the the programs for the individuals because then you can, like you said, you're not having to remember it for every single, you know, of the hundred kids as you bounce around. Last question for strength and conditioning, and then let's dive into some track and field. <laughs> yeah. uh, go to music in the weight room. What do you listen to? So, oh man, um, this is terrible. Um, so I, oh man, um, it depends on the date. Like sometimes the kids hate me because if it's a really like big teaching day, I don't allow music at all. Um, cause I want kids to hear me. I want to hear them. So the kids hate those days. Oh man. I think it depends on if I'm training or if the kids are training, I like to drive the kids crazy. I'll play like Hall and Oates just to see their reaction. Uh, get a little rich girl going just to see how they react. Oh man. That's a great question. I'm a classic rock guy. So Oh man, I think we had Ted Nugent on this morning, political views aside, but we did some Ted Nugent. <laughs> um, man, it's either classic rock or old school hip hop. That's probably my go-tos. I remember hearing a lot of Metallica in high school. I remember okay. hearing, it's when I first heard a Toby Keith song and I ended up liking country music after that. I didn't really like country music heading into high school, but when you're in the weight room and we usually had like the same CD playing every day for <laughs> every single time. I was like, oh my God, I know this song. Okay. Yeah, until yeah, somebody else learned a new one, right? Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. And then until one of the coaches lets one of us put our CD in and tries to supply it, and then they get tired of it and they go back to their <laughs> their stuff. They probably Man. played Ted Nugent too. Oh, well, so my strength coach in high school is just uh, he was huge, like behemoth of a man. Um, Dan Bolton, like I, I still remember him. Um, he was probably like six 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 seven two eighty. Um, and he was like a steel worker in like his mid forties, but he, and he was there totally volunteer. Like, I mean, it's the Dallas of all places. And so like, he'd open up this dungy, gross weight room for us. Um, and he would just sit in the corner and like do his thing. And I remember like, he'd just sit there and like do skull crushers with 225 while all of us are just trying to bench 135 anyway. But he would just jam on like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Ted Nugent, ACDC, like he was super into the classic rock. And if anybody tried to touch his CD player, like he'd throw you out of the weight room, like physically grab you and throw you out. And so anyway, um, that was my random music story. It made me think of that. It's like the prototypical S&C coach and you have one in your head, like old school. Just don't you touch my music. He, oh my gosh. And he like, even as a senior, I remember when I was graduating, like 
I don't remember what I did, but he like he could he picked me up. I mean, I, I, maybe it was 170 pounds, and I just remember him like picking me up and pinning me against the wall um, because like I'd missed the previous day's workout. I think I like skipped a workout, and he like found me and pinned me against the wall. Anyway, but I if you saw me, I am not that guy. I think that's what I wish I could be, but that's not me. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. I don't think you could. I don't think you'd want to do that nowadays anyway, because I think you'd oh. find yourself out of the, the job really quickly. No way. Yeah. Uh, so you're also you're also the the head track and field coach, right? Yeah. So, um, oh man, I I've been in the track world. I was the head coach at another high school for about six years. Um, took a little break because I was doing college football again. And then when I got this teaching job, I took over as the head track coach. Last year was actually my first season, so um, I never lost a meet because of oh, COVID. Nice. Yeah. So I never actually got to coach and meet at LC. Um, but I guess this would be like my eighth year as a head coach total. Nice. Okay. So you're, God, yeah. What a weird time to have your first year at, at any school as in terms of taking over a program in the spring, because you guys probably had what, two or three weeks maybe before everything shut down. Yeah, we got two weeks in. I mean, we had like kind of like a winter conditioning thing, but then we had our first two weeks and then I think we got shut down the day of our first meet, I think is what was supposed to happen. Hot thing. Yeah, we were we were about three days before our first game. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah, it was wild. And for us, um, I got to toot my own horn a little bit. Um, we recruited so hard, me and a couple other guys on my staff. Um, we had over like 250 kids out for track. And so um, for us, that was huge. We were loaded. So I was pretty pumped. Um, that's, that's exactly where I actually wanted to go with track and field. And I, I've had one track and field coach on before back, I think episode seven, Eric Detman at Lincoln High School here in Oregon. And yeah. um, and so I, w- one of the questions I asked him was about how many kids he has out because it's always so amazing from a, a baseball coach's standpoint. We'll get usually around 45 kids is where we cap our rosters. So we end up with 15 kids on each team. So really once the season starts, Basically, I'm with my, you know, the varsity group of 15, uh, more or less. And so it's and then I usually have like three assistant coaches. So it's like the ratio is amazing. (laughs) But then I think of track and field and you're getting numbers of like 200 plus, like you just said, 250 plus. Uh, And it's just the, the concept. The idea to me is like impossible to think of how you can manage that. Oh, um, I guess experience is helpful. Um. So that's been the biggest help. I mean, when I started out, so the first school I was a head coach at, I mean, we had maybe 90 kids total between guys and girls programs. So it was a lot smaller, Um, but we built that program. So that was exciting. And then to come to LC. And so Lewis and Clark has traditionally been, I wouldn't say we've been competitive at track, but it's generally a well-participated sport. Um, And so I have a lot of head coaches or a lot of assistant coaches, um, and I am actually the head boys and girls, which is also a transition. Typically here, at least in Spokane in our league, most teams have a guy's head coach and a girl's head coach. So that's a little bit different. Um, but I have a ton of assistants that are just uh, freaking amazing. So that is, I, I can't take a lot of credit. I just have a lot of eyes. And luckily I've been able to find a lot of people who are just amazing teachers and coaches um, with, in regards to track and field. So, I mean, the only reason I'm able to have 250 kids is because I have so many awesome helpers and i mean tracks a different beast because there's so many different things for kids to do and so many different events so many things i can try and funnel kids to and you know help kids find an event and so um i feel like it's a little bit easier to retain kids as well 
there's just so many things like I can find a different avenue for a kid if one thing's not working out. So I think that's helpful as well in keeping those numbers high. So that's one of the big things about track two is you're going to have kids who are coming out because track is their jam and like that is what they live for. Then you'll have other kids who come out and it's like, well, I'm doing track, you know, just because I need, I need to do something right now. Just kind of, cause I have another sport that I really like. And so you get this like wide range of people. And I guess you kind of answered this just now, but my, my big, my question for that is like, how do you engage? How do you keep those kids engaged? Cause you, the ones who are all in for it, like they're going to be engaged. That's easy. But then you have the kids who are kind of there. They show up because track is an avenue for them to kind of work out in a team setting when they're not in season for whatever their, you know, their priority sport is. And so trying to keep kids engaged and help them find a niche maybe ends up being something that, that does that. Yeah. I, no, I think that's super helpful for us. And I mean, our JV program is obviously huge compared to like our varsity program, just because we have a lot of those kids who are just out to try things. And, um, but I actively like recruit any kid in the hallway. I mean, um, it helps being a teacher as well. I mean, every kid I talk to like, Hey, what sports do you do? And then usually it's like, Hey, do you like to compete? You know, and just trying to have those conversations. So I'm, I am the worst. Like I walk the halls every day. I sit with kids at lunch who like have never had me in class. I'm like, Hey, you look really tall. You want to come do track? But I, so I guess in regard, I have a lot of great coaches, but my coaches are all super different. Um, and I think that helps because they can connect with all of those different kids. Like we have a ton of different personalities. And so that allows, I think kids to find somebody who they can engage with as far as an adult and coach figure. So that's another thing that helps. You had talked about like, I mean, we do, we have some kids that come out and like they want to go next level. And I've been pretty blessed in my track coaching career to have coached a couple I can't like in my first three years, I was able to coach two seven foot high jumpers, like in my first two years of coaching. And, um, I think some people will never, like, I, I might never coach another seven footer in my life. Um, but we have those kids that are competitive, but our goal as a group, whether it's the guys and girls team or sprinters and jumpers, whatever, our, our goal is simply to get better. Like, I know it sounds really cliche, but to get better each day, but like our goal is to get better at the end than we were at the beginning. And so that applies to every single kid, whether they're just learning the technique or they're actually physically trying to get better. And that's kind of our shtick that we preach every day. No matter if you're JV freshman varsity, doesn't matter. You're trying to get something better or learn something new today. One of the really cool things that I've always appreciated about track and uh, my wife coached track for quite a few years. And I've always, I've always been jealous as a baseball coach of how there are, but we, we use a lot of data in baseball. But in track, it's it's really convenient to me just to picture it. And maybe the reality is a lot different, but it's like, okay, you are a you know seven foot high jumper. Okay, you run you know a twelve point four. You run you know it's like you have a number, and so as a and it's fun to watch like on social media posts and things with different track teams because it's like, hey, today you know these four people PR'd and it's just like every day, like someone's PRing for something. So there's always something to celebrate. There's always this benchmark that you can have for yourself and that you compete against. And track's really nice because in, in a lot of sports, we always, you know, especially with baseball, Hey, you're competing against yourself really. Like you're trying to get better, but in track, it's really nice because it's like, here's your number. You're competing against that number. You don't have to worry about what the guy to your left or the girl to your right is doing. Like you're competing against that number. Yep. I mean, it sounds really, so like I, I, have, I say that all the time, but um, I've learned in the last couple of years, like it's really easy to say that. And 
Like, so I was a track athlete. I was a quarter miler. So like, I'm kind of weird that I want to go run a full lap. And, and I was that guy who wanted to show up, wanted to compete. Like I kind of made everything personal. Like I'd pretend like somebody told me off just so I get mad to run faster sort of thing. And <laughs> I've come to realize like all of our kids are dif- there for different reasons. And um, my staff and I have tried to be really intentional about teaching that mindset because they're high school kids. I mean, you're going to look to the guy next to you. Like, um, it's kind of, but we had a, a sophomore kid who like, he came out of the woodwork. We had no idea this kid could run and he doesn't look anything the part, but it took us like almost a whole year. Cause he'd get in the blocks and he'd look at like the seniors next to him who are just like super ripped and that those thoughts, I think creep into your head a little bit. And so even though it's easy to say like, Hey, yeah, you're just, tra- you're just racing against yourself from the last race, or you're just trying to race that time. I've become more aware that that's not really, you know, there's other things that I need to teach these kids in order for them to actually do that. Cause you're going to see huge muscles and you're going to be like, Oh man, I saw that guy run down this guy. And we, we've tried to be intentional though about uh, how we teach that message. And I think that's helped as well. How do you, so you, you mentioned your quarter miler. So for me, that's a really, I would never run a lap if I, if I needed, <laughs> unless I absolutely needed to, it's just not a life, not a life thing I want to be doing. Yeah, no, point. for sure. Uh, and so it's a unique mindset. So it, as somebody who's run some distance, uh, one of the things I think about a lot in terms of like seeing people running, especially at, at track events is the mental part of it and how, how you can stay checked in and compete when you, you, you kind of know you've still got a long ways to go. Do you talk with your kiddos a lot about like the mental part of it? And if so, like, what do you, what do you get into with them? So, I mean, I I hate using all these cliches. I mean, we're, we try to be really goal driven. So like we have a training goal and then a competition goal each week. And this is mostly for our varsity kids. We do have these conversations with our JV kids too. Um, but I would say just time wise and pure number of kids where I am more intentional with our varsity kids. So like, Hey, what do you want to get done in your training this week? You know, what's, do we have a workout this week that you, you know, you want to get a certain time on or, Hey, I want to run with so-and-so this week during the workout. Um, we set those at the beginning of the week and then we have competition goals. Um, and we, we have one for the end of the season, like that we want to shoot for, but we have one weekly. And so, um, it might be, I mean, we try and stay away sometimes from the numbers driven ones and just like, Hey, what's one process thing that you can do this week. So like, uh, man, I'm going to warm up the, for 20 minutes this time. I mean, for some of our guys just trying to get them to remember to warm up is a challenge. Um, so that that's one tool that we've used to try and help that mindset and being intentional about what are we going to do this week? Because when you get to your race, if you're like, all right, cool. I did what I was supposed to do. Like hopefully that makes it easier for you to jump into that race. And honestly, in the training that we do, doing it with a group, really trying to build the relationships with our athletes has been extremely helpful. Because when you go to run your race and you know that you're not alone, it's a lot more helpful than thinking like, oh man, all eyes are on me and it's just me out there. That's also been another piece that's been really helpful for us is getting our guys to relate and build relationships because the training sucks and you guys are all going through it together. That's kind of been our mantra the last couple of years. I think that's a good one. The training sucks and you have to do it together at least. So with one of the cool things I've noticed with track two is and cross country also, but um, with, with track is especially the running events, um, how uh, incredible it is to watch the, the group that's part of that. So for example, like if, you know, distance runners, let's say, and you've got someone in your group running and you're, you're not running right now, but you're standing on the infield and just seeing how, 
like how close those kids are to each other. Um, it's, it's really special because you don't always get that in sports. You don't always get that where one of your teammates is competing and you're, you're all in for them supporting them. And maybe it ties back into the fact that you and them have been in this horrible, in my opinion, like I would never want to run, like I mentioned. So you're in this, just like, it's really sucky. Like the training, it's not like you're getting to, okay, today we're going to scrimmage and shoot hoops. Like that's not what you, what we're going to run. You know what I mean? And so it's like, it's just really cool because I've, I see a lot of that on the track side of where it just like it seems like it builds camaraderie really, really well as compared to how it might be a little bit more difficult in some other sports. Yeah, I, no, I definitely I think, yeah, what other sport can you like literally stand next to the person on the track or on the like the field of competition and yell at them um, to yeah. cheer them on? I mean, um, or like during relays, like we I mean. It's not exactly legal, but kids rocking the boat, running from side to side. It's a pretty cool thing. Um, and obviously I'm, I'm biased. The four by four is one of my favorites as well. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of running, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't have to do it anymore. So uh, <laughs> I just going to watch them do it. Well, actually that's not true. I run generally, I'll probably run one quarter mile with the kids each year. Um, it's getting harder and harder each year, but I still, it's fun to try. So do you find that the, do you find that running with them helps with team building too? So, Oh man, that's a good one. Um, it depends on the group. Like there's some groups I love to lift with them. Um, even though that's kind of frowned upon and generally like, I mean, my job is to, to be there to watch and support and teach. So that's hard to do, um, when you're training with them, I think it's a nice spice maybe to throw in there every now and then like for track, like they want to see if I can do, we do a, um, a ton of testing, um, like mini competitions. Like we do a standing long jump and stuff like that. And it's kind of fun every once in a while to jump in. It, it kind of is a great way to bring some energy to practice, but, um, it kind of loses its luster if you're trying to do it all the time, I guess, maybe. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you, well, I know that your, your season was kind of lost last year before it really got going. So maybe it's not fair in terms of Lewis and Clark, but we can kind of refer back to your time previously as a, as a track and field head coach. Anyway, when, when we're talking team building, do you, do you have anything that you've done in the past outside of practice and outside of, of competition where you get your kids together and do something, you know, outside of the track environment? So, yeah. And it's funny. I, I feel like it's getting harder and harder with kind of like the liability and restrictions and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I'm not going to ignore those things because it, it is presence. And so whenever we're planning something, I'm always thinking about the risk involved. Um, so we do like a preseason meet, um, typically, um, where we kind of each coach picks like a fantasy team in a way. Um, and so we'll come up with random events and kids get to compete against each other. Like for example, we do like the root beer chug 50 meter dash. And so I, and so that's one thing that we'll do to start off our track season, just so kids are grouped up guys and girls together, freshmen through senior. So that's one thing that we'll do just, and we come up with tons of events. We do like the Frisbee toss. We do like the two handed javelin. I mean, we just come up with random funny things, but every kid gets a chance to compete. Um, and nobody's good at any of these events because they're all supposed to be silly. So that's one thing that we do. Um, we do like a pancake breakfast after a practice. I mean, track is different. Um, I feel like it has a little bit of this kumbaya vibe sometimes to it, but, um, that one's pretty cool. Our, our captains are in charge of planning one team event. Um, and so they've done a barbecue one year. They did a water balloon fight one year. 
So that's another thing. I give kind of the onus to them. What event do you guys want to do this year? And then I just kind of support and we'll setting up and just making sure it's not too crazy. They were trying to like set up a skydiving activity one time. That was, that was a no go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess those are a few of like those team building things. We have captains. I always go back and forth about whether or not I actually want to have them, but um I made it a really, really hard application process. So if kids really want to do it, it takes a lot more work than just um, showing up, I guess. So that's another thing just to try and get kids to push themselves a little bit as far as their role as a captain. I'm glad you mentioned team captains. That was not on my mental list of like things we could talk about. But I've had people on so far that that have team captains, love them. They do a lot of cool things. I've had others that absolutely know we don't do team captains. You mentioned you've flipped kind of back and forth what you, so you have this application what what types of things are you asking of them on that so <laughs> um i mean honestly like so i asked him like what quality I, I mean i guess i try and ask him like really tried and true questions like hey why should i pick you like what qual- qualities do you bring and there's a list of expectations so like what i want them to be able to do and they're not just like um Oh my gosh. Like some, like you have to plan a team activity. Like there's specific things you have to lead a team warm up. Um, you're responsible for picking up everybody's gear that's left out on the track at the end of the day. So like there's, th- it's not a glorious position. Um, basically I just ask them the honest questions. Like, what do you provide to this? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? I mean, kind of like a job application in a way we have like a cool, um, I think it's like an acronym. I want to see how creative the kids are. There's some silly ones. Like um, try to think the last year's one, they had to like make an acronym for the word tiger. There's a couple math questions on there because if they don't know the answer, I want to see that kids can go figure out how to do it. Let's see here. It's really silly, but it's just I, I always want to see if they're willing to take a risk to be creative and put in a little extra work. Like they have to learn how to write a particular poem or essay. It, it's kind of interesting, but it's helped because it's a lot of work. And if you really want to do it, you actually have to go through the process. I love that having them go figure out how to do something and figure it out. I just as a you know, teacher, we both know this is true with a lot of high school kids. Not, not that adults aren't like this either, by the way. But um, when they have a question, it would take them 20 seconds to jump on Google and look it up. Uh, yeah. But I'll get emails sometimes from a kiddo who's asking, like, for example, now that we're in distance learning, right, online stuff. Hey, how do I take a screenshot with my Chromebook? Like, I'm not sure how to do that. And it's like, well, you know, the amount of, you could have the answer in 22 seconds. If you went on, like, you'd be done in 22 seconds. And so I, I like that idea of like, are you willing to go and figure this out on your own? Like, cause that's a pretty important thing to do if you're going to be a captain. Yeah. Uh, well, and I mean, I guess for all of our athletes, you would hope they'd be able to do that at some point too, but at least, you know, that's a person in that position who's ready to do that. Um, I'm trying to think other ones like, should they have to list certain events and world records in track meets? Cause I want them to know about the sport that they're participating in. So it's a pretty well-rounded um, application. I would say history of the sports school too. Here I am thinking about baseball and I'm thinking how many times have I had kids who know nothing about the history of baseball? Or I mentioned Ken Griffey jr. And I get a few kids every year who are like who, and I'm like, what do you mean who like this? That's why backwards hats are cool. What are you yep. talking about? So that's awesome. I, I'm going to give you one more track and field question. And this one might be the hardest one, but why not oh, ask no. it? Um, yeah. What's one thing that you do as a track and field coach that coaches of other sports need to know about? Ooh. Oh, man. Uh, that is hard. God, I mean, I feel like everything I know and do, I stole from somebody else. So um, like, I can't get on my box here and proclaim I have any original ideas. 
Well, that's what coaching is, though. Anyway, we've all stolen it from other people. So that's true. We, could, we could rephrase it. What's one thing you've stolen from someone else <laughs> well, <laughs> that I other mean, people should know? Honestly, so I mean, the biggest lesson I've got, and I take it for uh, anything and everything I do. <laughs> I heard it from my professor my second year of grad school. And then I did a GA where I was working in a rec center. And then I got to do hours with the strength and conditioning people, um, staff at Eastern. Uh, Eastern Washington University. Um, so it was Nate Brookerson. He was like, you should always have a reason why, no matter what you're doing. And I guess whenever I plan a practice or I think about a workout or um, like even with track, like I will not just make kids run. I think that's the stupidest thing ever. So like I always have a reason for everything that we do. And sometimes that reason is to have fun. Um, but there's a rationale and a reason for everything I do as a coach and as a teacher actually. And so um, I guess that's probably the one thing I think any good coach, like you should never just do something because it looks cool or it looks hard or uh, you should know why you're doing it. What's it going to yield? What's its purpose? Um, that's, that's really interesting. We, we always hear about, you know, kids these days. And I think one thing that's really true is that they want, they want to know why you're asking them to do something. And if you don't, if you don't know why, like if you as a coach can't sit down and like explain really articulately, Hey, why we're doing this, even like you said, if it's, Hey, we're going to do this root beer thing to have fun and get to know each other. Like, cool. That's the rationale. But if you don't have a really like have an understanding of why you're doing something a good or a good rationale, like that's, that's a really important thing to have anyway, but especially for today's like teenager, today's athlete, today's adults even. Yeah. I mean, I encourage all my athletes, like, cause I mean, there might be days uh, if I'm lazy, like call me out. I, I mean, I tell my kids, like, ask me why every day. Cause if I can't tell you why, like, then I screwed up that day. And I, and I guess kind of going way back to what we were talking about with um, club sports and kids training elsewhere, I guess, because I want my kids to be willing to ask me why I always tell them like, Hey, you should ask your other coach. Cause we have um, AU, AAU track is kind of a big, I have to battle with that quite a bit because I got kids that will double dip and they're training twice a day. And um, they'll tell me about like, oh, man, uh, our other coach's workout was so hard. And I'm like, cool. Why did you do that workout? That sounds terrible. And they'll be like, they'll just tell me like, oh, because it's really hard. I'm, I'm like, well, that's cool. I mean, like, so it, I mean, there's tons of things that are hard, but it doesn't mean you got better. And so I think trying to instill that in my athletes is like, know what you're doing and why. And it, it's you're going to be better for it. And I don't, you're not trying to be like a smart ass. It's, you, you want to know why you're doing something. It, it's going to help you better understand it. Well, that's such a good question too. I've, I've found myself doing that from the baseball side too, where a kid comes back, but I, I'm really into hitting and, and a kid will come back from his, the hitting coach that he, that he's, his family's giving money to. And he'll say something about what he, I'll ask him like, Hey, what, what are you working on? And he, he'll tell me and I'll, in my head, I'm, you know, in my head, I'm like, well, that's really stupid. Like that's, that doesn't make sense. Of course you don't want to say that to a kid. Like that's not, that's not fair necessarily to say it. So I found myself asking what you just did. And I'm like, well, tell me why, like, what does that do for you? And a lot of times the kid won't know the answer to that. He's not sure. And I'm like, well, Hey, next time you're with him, like next time you're with your hitting coach, ask him why, like find out the why that's your homework. Come back to me. Help me learn why you're doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I'll be honest, I've actually learned a few things doing it that way. I mean, cause they'll come back and, um, but yeah, I'm always have a rationale why not only for like safety and liability, but like, I mean, just for effectiveness and I always yeah, have a reason why I'm doing something. And sometimes with kids, I, I have a couple upperclassmen seniors right now who they kind of know my shtick and 
he's always like, this is the best drill you could come up with coach. And so, I mean, and I'd be like, yeah, this is the best drill. Like, and so, um, they like to give me a hard time about it, but yeah, having a reason in, and those reasons might change. I mean, you might do this and you'll learn, God, wow, actually this wasn't good. I, I need to review how we teach this or how I train this. And I think it's going to inform your coaching in the future. Absolutely. So you're the head track and field coach. You're the director of strength and conditioning. You're an assistant coach for football. Um, you're also married and you have a daughter. The, the school and coaching part, as I'm aware, I'd only coach one sport. That's enough. That's a lot. Uh, you're doing two sports, the head coach of one. Then you also have the strength and conditioning side too. You're married. You've got a daughter. There's a lot of different pieces there. What do you do? How do you manage? Like, This is a lot of different roles. <laughs> um man i don't sleep a lot i drink a lot of coffee and i don't stop moving no I, oh man the kids give me i'm pretty impulsive as well oh man luckily my wife that's probably the biggest piece um she's awesome she's a college athlete as well so she kind of understands some of like why i love this and so that helps she coached for a little while as well so having a good partner is probably the biggest thing Gosh, honestly, probably the biggest thing for me is I'm, I have a pretty set routine and my schedule is my schedule. And I, I try and really adhere to that. So like, if I already have something on my schedule, like I try and put everything on my schedule. So if somebody's trying to get me to commit to something and I look at it, I'm like, sorry, that spot's already booked. It's really easy for me to say no, I, I, I have a hard time saying no. So if I use my schedule, it makes it easy. It's like, nope, this is my where my time commitments at. My wife would probably tell you I'm not always good at even doing that, though. Um, through COVID, I started a nonprofit, so I've I've taken on way more than I needed to. But routine and calendar has been huge. I mean, I wake up pretty early because I, I want to be intentional about, oh my gosh, I'll get up, watch my sports center, I'll read my book. Um, like I have my routine and um, throughout the day I have my routine. And that's probably been the biggest thing is just keeping me on track and having that schedule and routine. Tell me about the nonprofit fun group Spokane, right? Oh, <laughs> did Ryan tell you about this already? <laughs> of course he did. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, um, th there's going to be life after coaching, I feel like at some point. And so that's kind of where this started a little bit. Part of this was family driven as well, but, um, basically, uh, yeah, some friends and I got together through COVID and kind of listening to people complain about problems within our community and not really wanting to do anything about it, I guess is what I took from it. Um, we decided to kind of collaborate and fundraise basically to address some of those needs in our community. So our mission is just to make our community awesome through acts of kindness and generosity. So um, we're centered around kids. And so just finding needs as far like we sponsored a family for Christmas. Um, we're planning a coat drive and a backpack drive for next year. And so anyway, that's, but yeah, that's a whole nother. <laughs> so that's, that's the fun group. That sounds like a fun group. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, honestly, routine. I mean, I, I wake up probably at four o'clock and I, like my day from four o'clock till probably about well, four in the morning till four in the afternoon, like every minute is accounted for just so I know what I need to do and where I need to be. Um, I always see, uh, I don't know if you know who Chaco Willick is, but I always see he's kind of made famous the 445 take a picture of your watch thing. 
uh, and get, you know, get a workout in and get going. And I always kind of chuckle at that in my head because our son, he's 18 months old now. And he pretty much, <laughs> if, if he's not up by five 30, uh, or if he's not sleeping in till <laughs> sleeping in till five 30, he's awake at about four 30, just happy as a clam. <laughs> Let's go have a good day. Yep. Uh, and so I, <laughs> I, I also get up quite early, although it's, it's child driven. <laughs> well, and, but to be honest, like, so I guess maybe I get up early because my family time is going to come at the end of the day. I mean, I think early on, like when I was coaching at Whitworth and I was teaching, I was actually teaching at a middle school at the time. Like, I mean, I was working probably 70, 75 hours a week. Um, was only getting paid for like half of it anyway. Um, I mean, it was at that point where my wife was like, whoa, Hey, like our goal was this, like you need to make it work. And, um, so like I get up, I train, I do all of like my prep work for everything in the morning and I do my school day. Obviously school day is completely wonkers, right? Or I mean, it's out of control right now just with COVID and everything, but then just everything I want to get done the day. And then basically at four o'clock, it's like, well, computer's usually shut. And then this time is dedicated to my wife and my daughter and just really trying to be intentional about this is where I'm putting that time. Yeah, being intentional, being president. I love it. We, well, Mike, we started off with you almost getting kicked off the football team because of your knucklehead shenanigans. We made it through. <laughs> you get into Lewis and Clark, strength and conditioning, track and field, family, nonprofit group. Um, as we kind of close things out, I just want to kind of hand the mic over to you. And if you had any parting thoughts for young coaches or anything that maybe we didn't cover that would be know something cool for people to know about or just anything it's just your time with the mic anything left that you got any to share oh man um i don't know coaching is the best gig ever i mean i love it so um I mean, i'm pretty driven just in that regard i get i feel really bad that i didn't give a ton of specifics to some of these questions i have tons of resources i mean maybe i could share those with you like i mean i have pdfs excels like uh versions of um like programming and stuff that we do more nuts and bolts stuff. I could easily share that with you just so you could have that. And maybe if anybody else was interested in it, they could use that as a resource as well. Glad you let me, this is fun. I've never, uh, this is my first time doing this whole deal. This is why we do it. It's a blast. You just get to talk to people. That's it. Just talk for an hour and see how fast you can make the time go by. And the faster it goes by, usually the more fun you had. And I feel like the hour and 10 minutes or so we've done this is has just kind of flown by. So Mike Johnson, I appreciate you coming on the show. I know anyone that Ryan Marshall says would be would be good for this, would be good, and and you lived up to it. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. And yeah, anytime. Um, I'm glad I got to connect with you, Max. I'm pretty sure I'll probably be connecting with you in the future. Wasn't that awesome? Huge thank you to Ryan Marshall for connecting me with Michael Johnston. And then obviously big thanks to Coach Johnston for jumping on the show. I went ahead and linked in the show notes a email for coach johnston so if you want to get a hold of him you can shoot him an email he can send you a bunch of different resources and programs that he uses with his athletes as the director of strength and conditioning for lewis and clark high school so again huge thank you to michael johnston for jumping on the show i can't thank you enough for tuning in for another episode of the club whether you've been listening from the very beginning back in september of 2020 or this was your first episode, or if you're somewhere anywhere in between, I want you in the High School Coaches Club. Hit that link in the show notes or go to highschoolcoachesclub.com to join for free. You'll become an instant member of the National Network of High School Coaches, and you'll receive the weekly newsletter, all for the price of, well, nothing, except, you know, 90 seconds of your time. 
Secondly, if you or anyone you know would be a good fit as a guest of a future episode, um, I'm thinking coaches, trainers, administrators, athletic directors, uh, even players, uh, high school players. How cool would that be? Um, Go ahead and do me a favor and reach out. Uh, You can contact me through the website. Again, that's highschoolcoachesclub.com via email, and that's max at highschoolcoachesclub.com or Twitter, and that's at Mr. Max Price. You can also follow the club on all the major social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And as we let the ending tunes roll, take a moment today to reach out to someone who's helped you along your own path in coaching, playing, or whatever it is that you happen to be doing. And say thanks. It would mean a lot to them. So thanks again for listening. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.